Hello and welcome to this very unexpected edition of the Laker Side Chats. I am your host as always, Alan Ramich, and we are recording today to talk about some not very nice news, unfortunately. The one and only Kobe Bryant, along with his daughter Gianna, her teammates and parents, have passed away in a helicopter crash. It's been about 24 hours since this happened. Got a nice round table of guests on to talk about Kobe and pay tribute to him. So without further ado, the first guy I'll introduce is he's basically a regular now on the podcast. Uh, I class him as a friend now, Jabari Davis. Welcome once more, sir. Hey, Alan, I appreciate you having me again. Yeah, definitely uh, not happy to be discussing these uh, this topic today, but I appreciate you having us. No, absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Um, another second guest is a guy who is a co-host for the Baseline NBA podcast, Kali. Welcome to the show as well, sir. Thank you for coming on. Alan, uh, first-timer and and very humbled to be on. Um, really not under the best circumstances, but um, it gets better when you're around good peoples who have a lot to say about uh, a basketball icon and Kobe Bryant. And the other co-host of The Baseline, Warren Shaw as well. Welcome, sir. Thank you so much, Alan. Appreciate it. And as my colleagues have said, too, you know, not the greatest circumstances that we're getting to make your acquaintance here today, but we'll do our best, you know, for, for some catharsis here. And last but not least, Jameson Walsh. Welsh, sorry. Welcome to you as well, sir. No, not a problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Definitely appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. And... Like we said, it's not the greatest of circumstances, is it, guys? Uh, who who would have thought that when me and Jabari recorded a podcast on Thursday that we'd be talking about this on Monday? It's crazy how life gets here. Yeah, it 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 is, and 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 admittedly, yeah, I I never would have thought that this was going to be the conversation that we had. Uh, I didn't think I didn't know that I would be you know back on the show so quickly. It, and, and I'm sure, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody else, but I'm still at a place where I know it happened. I understand that it is a reality, but it still just feels surreal. Yeah, I, 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 I echo those sentiments um, that J- Jabari just, you know, illuminated to. Um, I know we'll get into, you know, variations of, you know, where our mental where our mind state is with, with regards to this. But I think, um, recognizing that he was only 41 years old, (laughs) I think he basically, he's three years younger than me. (laughs) And, um, I, I think that hits me hardest. Um, because while he brought so much excitement, um, in the first half of his life, I think I was more so looking forward to what he was going to bring to the table in the second half. And to see that, you know, not materialize or that being taken away from us so soon. Um, it, again, it just puts certain things in perspective uh, about, you know, how much he has done in, in this in this short time span and um, the fulfillment of uh, a lot of things that I think we as people need to start, you know, kind of taking inventory on because uh, you just never know. Uh, but I'm, I got to say, at least I am very grateful to have been in this space and he be a part of that space, uh, you know, giving me something to look up to at night 
and, and appreciate about the game of basketball and, and life in itself. And I'll chime in and say, you know, I think I was listening as sure as we all have to the various articles and seeing video essays and TV specials and things of that nature. I think I caught a glimpse of even the Woj pod um, with Ramona Shelburne and something he said in the beginning, you just like, you know, at, at what point I think all of us were Kobe was a daily topic of conversation at, for something, you know what I mean? When he was playing, when he was off the court, something, all of us have impacted in, in some way. And for me, uh, when I started my slash media career, if you will, um, again, he, he was an everyday part of it every day, you know, whether I liked him, loved him or hated him, it was just, it was something that you, you had to talk about what he was doing and how he was going about his business um, in the utmost way. And, you know, one of the things that I'm not trying to take anything away from his passing and all those who, who passed away in that helicopter crash, but I think I said it in our podcast as well, too, like 2020 is just, it's disastrous. And when you think from a, from a basketball standpoint, we lost David Stern, we lost Kobe Bryant in the same freaking month. Uh, I that to me is just, you know, for for all of us who've been in this business, so to speak, for however long, those two people are iconic in every single way of the word. And we are just at a complete loss, you know, with now another one of our icons and someone who even resonated probably even more so than, than Mr. Stern did um, on a global atmosphere like Kobe, Kobe Bryant did. So just just complete and utter tragedy. Yeah, and I'll I'll uh, chime in here as well. Um, you know, when you think of Kobe Bryant, you think of a guy that um, you know he he's the guy that represented excellence. You know, he's a guy that worked hard. Um, you know, he was not going to let anyone not work him, but also his skill set was remarkable. There was nothing on the court he could not do. You know, uh, I actually had the uh, opportunity to interview James Posey during summer league. He was like the toughest person was guard was Kobe because he can pull from anywhere and make any shot. And there's nothing you couldn't take a second off. And whether he was at half court, 30 feet away, wherever he was, and uh, he was the guy that everyone looked up to. And then for he was a lot of people's big bros. Like we all throw that term around a lot, but he was guys actually big brother. You know, a lot of guys that we see playing on television today, he's their he's their idol. He's the guy they looked up to. Uh, so for him just to be all of a sudden gone is still like mind blowing. It hasn't really set in it just doesn't really add up i've been you know i've followed kobe when he broke his wrist at Venice beach in 96 uh and then to you know his retirement day and then to now here he's no longer with us it's still like hard to sink in it doesn't quite make sense just yet no absolutely and i feel like that's the state that most people are in just sheer denial because while david stern passed away and it was a it was a, you know, it's a horrible thing whenever and when whenever anyone dies. He was 77, if I remember correctly. If I'm wrong, you know, you can correct me. He'd lived a full life, you know. 77 is not, while he don't want anyone to die at any point, it's not like he died young. With Kobe, it's it's 41. <laughs> He's in the, like, like Jabari said earlier, it's the prime of his life. And it, it's you don't really know what to say. And... It's one of those things that I feel like you'll always remember where you were when you heard that news. It will always be resonated with you. And if you guys can be candid, starting with Jabari, then Jameson, then Kyle, then Warren, to say where you were when you heard the news and just what was your reaction? Because obviously I don't, I just want to get across to people just how raw this is at the moment and just how everyone felt in this moment. 
Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I was re- I was relaxing. I was having a lazy Sunday. Uh, I see, you know, I, I see the first little clip or not clip, but link, uh, you know, coming across as TMZ. And I thought, OK, this is a hoax. Y'all, you know, stop playing around. Don't play with, you know, like like this is not funny. I don't know why. You know, I was all I was automatically in that mode. And then, you know, so I immediately, you know, started trying to back channel and, and, and see if there was any any validity to it. Uh, yeah, but the reality is this. While, you know, yes, I will remember what I was doing more than anything. I'm just going to remember, like, the, to everybody's point that you've already made, the fact that he's 41 years old, admittedly, that's the reason why it really does hit home. In fact, if I can take it a step further, as an individual that grew up in Los Angeles, you know, I was born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s. I, you know, of course, I idolized Magic Johnson. I loved everything about him. Uh, but quite frankly, uh, you know, Kobe Bryant was 17 years old when he was drafted. I was 16 years old. Uh, this, the reason why this is, you know, impacts me so much on a personal level, you know, and, and I'm sure you guys will take it to the you know global level or even national level, you know, beyond, uh, is because I feel like I grew up with Kobe Bryant. Like it felt like a family member. It felt like I got a call that, yo, your cousin died or, you know, somebody that, you know, that you, you know, that you had truly grown to, you know, you know, grown to appreciate, grown to respect, and in a lot of cases grown to love. So this is, this is one of those ones where I absolutely will always remember this time and what it felt like. And, um, you know, I was actually getting gas at Costco. I was waiting in line and I thought it was a hoax as well. Someone texted me, was like, Mm -hmm. hey, you hear about Kobe? I was like, no. And they sent me the the TMZ, the screenshot. That I was like, oh, wow. Well, I still thought it was a hoax. And I started checking Twitter. And I saw a few rumblings, but not a whole lot. And then, like, I refreshed. And I saw the whole screen. I was like, dang, like, this is this is not good. And I went for confirmation. And then my phone did the rarest thing. I, I've never seen a phone literally just shut off. Like, it was ringing and getting texts. It literally just shut off. And I'm like, yeah, this is he's probably it's probably true. Because this doesn't, you know, this not this many alerts and this much stuff, and then uh, come to find out, like ten minutes later, uh, it was, you know, it was official. But the thing that stood out to me is that he was the bridge. You know, I'm from Southern California as well, and he was the bridge between Magic and the Showtime era and like this current era. He was the bridge, and he's the guy that everyone of my age group and a little bit younger they follow. That that's what they know. Like you know, you guys mentioned earlier. Uh, before the show started, like, you know, that's who you recognize with because that's who you've seen play for your entirety being on Earth. So uh, it's just kind of odd just to see him being, like, gone all of a sudden with, you know, like that. It's just it's still it's still very, very hard to, to come to grips with. Well, for myself, um, I was at the Brooklyn Museum. Um, there is an exhibit by... Um, Yassine Bey, aka Most Deaf, mm-hmm. and um, this it was the last day of the exhibit, and uh, he is you know one of my you know idols when it comes to hip hop and and being a lyricist and being an artist, and I felt like I had to be there for it. You know, it's like a once in a lifetime situation, and one of the murals that was in his exhibit has a facial portrait of Nipsey Russell. And when you're in the exhibit, you weren't allowed to use your phones. So I had no idea what was going on until after they unlocked my uh, access to my phone and I started coming out of the museum. 
and I started seeing these passive messages um, about TMZ reporting at first. And so I started going to Twitter and checking all of the LA-based uh, mediums to see if there's anyone who has more accurate information or something being reported. And lo and behold, you know, one of the reporters that was there um, in that area, that region or whatever, had tweeted it out that he they, they confirmed. And I was just completely floored, you know. And um, all I kept thinking about was that mural. All I kept thinking about was Kobe's face being supplanted in that mural. And um, it just spoke a lot to me um, in that in that moment. Um, it's something that Sean and I, you know, kind of alluded to in that, you know, it was about being in the moment why I had to be there for that exhibit. And it was me being in the moment of trying to process knowing that somebody that I grew up with, as Jabari had pointed out to, and Jameson has pointed out to that, you know, a part of me is 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 not going to be there is not going to be as accessible to grow through my growing pains with you know it's like a peer you know like having a twin um who i you know who's mimicking the things that in you know, the struggles that you go through as a man uh your thought and it doesn't matter your you know where you are as far as him being richer or poor or whatever you still go through a process and um i feel like you know, we lost a part of that process, um, you know, with his passing. So, I mean, it's crazy when you listen to everybody here talking on this panel, right? Everyone was doing something completely different and a little bit, you know, in some ways, just everyday life. You're just doing your thing. Um, I was actually volunteering for the Super Bowl. I live in Miami. So I'm at, you know, one of the activations for the Super Bowl. Um, I work at a university in my full-time job. So I'm with some students and we're at a Super Bowl activation. And in the midst of me helping fans navigate to where they need to go and helping them with pictures, just doing some volunteer work, I happen to look at my phone and it's my co-host who sends me a text. I think it's a screenshot of, of a Woj tweet. And, and I saw it and it's just one of those things that doesn't really register. And maybe that's partially because I was doing what I was doing. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't see that right. So I had to stop and looked again and then had to ask Cal. I said, yo, is this, this is for real? And as he's kind of getting back some information because I didn't really even have the, the ability because of what I was doing to go and confirm myself and check outlets and things of that nature because technically I was working. And then I said, yo, and I think I said it out loud. I said, Kobe Bryant passed away. And one of the fans in the park says, yeah, it's crazy. And at, at that point, and I won't go too deep into it, but there was a lot of even misinformation out there, you know, about how many people passed away and, you know, uh, was it the whole family and the whole nine and everything like that. And that was just really frustrating even for me for having the love of the game, having the respect that I have for Kobe Bryant in general to not even really be able to confirm and really dive into what was happening you know, because of just what I was doing in that specific moment. And Jabari, if you'd like to chime in a bit more. Yeah, I just wanted to also point out the reason why this hits so hard. Like, for instance, for all of us, we were, we were alive when Magic Johnson you know, announced that he had HIV. Actually, you weren't, Alan, if I'm not mistaken. But everybody else on this panel was. And at that time, for those of us that were at least old enough to truly understand you know, where things were, 
we thought that was a death sentence. We didn't. Yeah, we you know, thought it was only, the worst. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we didn't, like not only did we not think he would be here thirty, you know, you know, thirty years from now, we didn't think he would be here five years from now. But we still got that moment. We still got Magic standing up strong at the podium, and obviously we've gotten everything, you know, uh, that's taken place since then. For you know, the reason why it's so tough with this is because it's not like he got sick and then like had cancer or you know things like that happen. And of course, you know, uh, accidents or you know, you know, crazy things can happen as well. But you, it, it just feels like you got cheated. Um, selfishly, I'm always going to think of what would that Hall of Fame speech have been. And I recognize that doesn't, you know, like in the moment, people might think that's kind of callous. But that's exactly where my mind took me. We're no longer going to get those moments of greatness. Uh, yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to also add to to, to Jabari's point was um, the the funniest thing about why this was such a really strange moment, you know, for myself was the fact that as soon as it, as soon, I, I like to Shaw's point, he, it, it took a while before we actually, I could even come up with being able to look at TV to go through the, the media outlets coverage of Kobe's passing. Like it, it took me like a few hours cause I, I really didn't want to, I didn't want to hear it. <laughs> Not so much the fact that I, I wasn't prepared for it. It's just it's just really hard to keep hearing it and thinking that, you know, you're not going to, you know, hit a, have a breakdown like in the middle of a of a coffee shop or something. Right. But it's so weird because even when I chose to look at a screen that was depicting everything that was going on, the first glimpse of what happened is they posted a picture of Kobe Bryant in the studio with Kanye West, most mm. deaf, and I forget, I think probably one of the studio producers in there. Like that is like when I and when I say this, I'm not trying to, you know, freak people out. What what I'm I'm basically getting at is that is Kobe Bryant, right? Kobe Bryant had access to everybody. Kobe Bryant was down to earth with everyone. He was, you know, not just a Mamba, he was a hybrid. He 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 was the type of person where he could sit down with a Bill Russell and in the same breath have a breakthrough conversation with a not-so-coherent Kanye West. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that is the type of person Kobe Bryant represents in our generation that we often criticize the next generation for not having enough of. And even at that time, Kobe Bryant was bridging that gap where there always seems to be animosities between the generations of superstar talent in the NBA. Kobe had always been that guy where he doesn't like you on the basketball court, but when it has nothing to do with the game itself, he treats you as the professional that he has built himself up to be, which is absolutely remarkable to me. Absolutely. And I remember I just got home from work when, you know, alongside university, I work in retail and, just selling shoes which is my second love you know I, I collect shoes and I was in a really good mood I, I felt you know really happy days gone by nicely I was like you know got got the nuggets and the rockets at half eight UK time I was like okay it's a really good game you know it's a nightcap for me anyway and um, I just get the news and first of all I got it through text. Someone was like, oh, you, you heard about Kobe? Mm. And I thought he either invested in the Sparks or 
did something when I got that you heard about Kobe because you don't, your brain doesn't go automatically to the most negative thing. You'll try and come up with something positive. I was like, no. He was like, TMZ's reporting that he's died. And then once the you're like, oh, that there was rumors going around that it was a hack, and I was like, you know what, let it be a hack. And then I just kept on refreshing my feed, and then I saw people confirming it, but I'm like, let me refresh it again, let me see. That just might be, you know, people trying to make a sick joke online. And the, the further it got on, the further I realized it's not a sick joke, and, you know, an idol of mine, not many people realize this, but when Kobe tore his Achilles, I tore my Achilles about a week after, Kobe was the one who pushed me through that process and and like you said he was your peer I looked at Kobe even though I didn't know him personally I looked at him as a big brother type because like I mentioned before we started recording I looked at him I've never had the NBA without Kobe Bryant in some capacity whether as a NBA legend or superstar however you want to put it he was always some it was a part of the NBA somehow he was either, you know, on his ESPN Plus, giving out details about, you know, doing a fantastic job with that. And I say all that to say this, that it's crazy. It's, you, Jabari, you mentioned the, the international standing. I don't remember, anyone can respond to this, I don't remember any death hitting a, a, such a global community as badly as this. Well, I'll I'll take that. I mean, I, I don't I don't think there has, you know, at least not that I can remember. Ironically, um, I was asked, uh, for those who don't know us well too, I'm my parents are Jamaican, so I have that heritage, if you will, as as does my brother Cal. And a Jamaican radio station hit me up on Twitter same way and said, Hey, can you come on and talk to us about what, what is going on here in the States, you know, with you know, and how is everyone reacting to, to Kobe Bryant? And as we were talking off air, you know, his his appeal in China and Italy and wherever else. I mean, it's it's massive. And you just don't understand what a person of his magnitude, like the tentacles and, and the people that he reaches and all these crazy stories are going to come out and 2 a.m. text messages and conversations the, the to us and maybe some of us, the, the different types of music and things he was interest, interested in. But that's what made him truly an international and global ambassador and brand it's kind of like that jay-z line he's a businessman he was about his business in every shape of the every way shape and form but he embodied what business was um, by the way he carried himself the way he was intelligent the way he did his research and everyone wants to talk about you know his basketball skills but he was intelligent in every walk of life he he i mean again if, if you could study what it meant to be a father <laughs> to his, to your daughters and to your son like kobe bryant is, is a role model in, in that aspect and when you hear some of the stuff and, and again there's so many there's so much media out there right now um you realize just how intelligent he truly was and won two final mvps and countless other awards and uh that's the that's the thing people are now starting to grasp was he was he was special and uh, you know the numbers the stats a lot of people can you can argue stats all day long, and sometimes stats don't tell the full story. But the impact you have on the game and you know the players' lives—that to me tells a greater story. And you know, we talk to his peers, guys he's played against, guys that have come after, uh, fans, coaches, scouts—they'll tell you like this was the baddest man. Like this guy was literally the most feared guy because at any given moment he could take over a game in any arena, any facet. So. 
uh, to me, like that's what sticks out the most is that he became a mythical figure that was larger than life. And it was worldwide. I mean, he's probably more loved in China than he's here at Loved in the States. And that says a lot because every arena he's gone to on the road, he's got an MVP chance, you know, when everywhere, whether it's Golden State, Boston, New York, wherever you think of, he's got an MVP chance. In, and that you can't say that for everyone else. It just doesn't happen like that. No, absolutely. I agree with that. And the way I look at it is with Kobe, I. I have honestly, I'm 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 Bosnian and, I'm, and I live in England, and I above my bed I have two Kobe jerseys hanging above, twenty four and eight, and I just look at that and I'm still like, worldwide, I know there's been better players, I don't think they'll be, with all due respect to Michael Jordan and LeBron. I don't think there's been anyone ever who's transcended the game like this. The Jordan brand is different because the Jordan brand is fantastically promoted by Nike. But as a person, I don't think there's anyone who's ever transcended the sport being a superstar like this ever. Look, one of the things, and uh, forgive me if I'm if I'm jumping in, but one of the things that that always amazed me is that in a city of stars, and obviously Los Angeles is the city of stars. Yes, they got stars other places, but y'all know L.A. is where it's at. In a city of stars, he was the star of stars. And what I mean by that, you know, you know, for the, uh, for any listeners that you know didn't follow that, if Kobe's in a room with all the A-listers, all the you know the people at the Grammys or the Oscars or whatever, all the eyes go to him. The stars gravitated towards him because he had that type of pull. So while I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that, you know, Kobe was some mythological fi- figure that, you know, was above all reproach and, you know, didn't have, you know, just as many faults as, you know, any other human being. I will say that his legacy to me, it goes down as truly being the star amongst stars. So I'm going to, I'm going to take a different approach. Um, because I think we're on that that part of of defining the legacy of Kobe Bryant, and um, it's something that I I brought up to my man, you know Shaw, uh, last night about what I saw in Kobe that I don't think gets talked about enough. Kobe, and, and, but somebody did allude to the fact that he he you know he's a transgenerational type of figure, right? Not just a talent, but a figure. But I'm going to go a step further on this, you know, because we illuminate how Michael Jordan has impacted not just the NBA, but also the culture. Right. We talk about Allen Iverson and what he did fusing the hip hop culture with the NBA. Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people gave credit to what Kobe Bryant represented in that period where you had high school athletes aspiring to go to play professional sports mm-hmm. without going to college. Kobe Bryant perfected that. I mean, you, you know, we talk about Kevin Garnett. We, we talk about LeBron James. We, you know, we, we talk about Moses Malone. Kobe Bryant perfected what it meant to be a professional athlete coming out of high school. He, he was the experiment David Stern was so grateful for because it's always been hit and miss when it comes to 
kids who are coming out of, you know, um, impoverished communities, um, only coming in to play the game to earn money, but don't know how to carry themselves in a professional manner outside of what they've known. Kobe was the person that everybody could look at the example, the prototype, because that's how he was when he came out of high school. That's how he was when he first came into the NBA. And he was the blueprint. He was the blueprint for what we see now in LeBron James. And that to me is just so remarkable because even now as we speak where there's this discussion about whether or not we may go back to giving kids the access again to leave high school and go straight to the NBA, it would be hard pressed to make an argument to say that most of these kids are ready to make that leap without referencing what Kobe Bryant has done for the NBA and has done for the professional black athlete, the ones who aspire to be that way and not take pointers and, and notes and, and look at his legacy and see what he's done to get to this point that we're talking about as being that transgenerational figure. He, to me, was, he was a pioneer in this. He got it right. And I think that that is something that has to be, you know, really emphasized upon when we're talking about the legacy of Kobe Bryant, because most of these kids in his circumstance and situation didn't pass that experiment. No, oh, absolutely. And the biggest thing for me with his legacy, I don't know if you guys will agree with this. The fact, the reason why it was so surreal for me is this is the guy that played for everything. This is the guy that came through with a torn Achilles and hits two free throws and Lakers win that game by two points. This is the guy who tears his rotator cuff halfway through a game and starts shooting with his left hand, who deals with multiple break, broken fingers, um, bone pieces in his knees, you know, going to Germany every off-season, implanting plasma into his knee to make sure that he's ready to play in the season. And the fact that that person who I always thought was invincible is no longer here with us. That legacy that he left, that he was just, he was like the last bastion of, he played through everything. He left every little part he could on the, on the court. And I'm sure you guys will agree to this. There's, there's just no more people like Kobe Bryant left. And I'm not saying that as a slight to anyone. I'm not saying that, you know, as a slight to the new generation. Kobe being Bryant was a once-in-a-lifetime person. Well, He's the one... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. My bad, Jabari. I'll make it quick. I, I, I think when it comes to the legacy part of it, you know, what, what Alan just said I think is so poignant because you think about his legacy for me, it's exactly that. It's worker. He's a worker bee. Um, and he you were never gonna outwork him. We I remember this beginning of this year and again living in the South Florida area and oh Jimmy Butler's working at three o'clock in the morning and da 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 da. I mean, that was a that was a Tuesday for Kobe Bryant. You know what I mean? Like that didn't mean anything. And now we laud that. You know what I mean? And it's such a big deal. And the 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 maniacal way in which he affected his craft, and that's what I was saying earlier. He was about that about everything. You know what I mean? He worked at everything, not just basketball. And I don't know we'll ever see anything like that, you know, that type of work ethic. And obviously LeBron's great and invest a million dollars in his body and cryotechnology and all that. That's amazing. But I just think that raw, um, just wanting to work and wanting to be out there every night. I mean, do any of us think Kobe Bryant would have ever load managed? He would have no, told no. everyone to get the F out of here. Like, what are you no. talking about? Load, load, manage these. You know what I mean? There's not a chance in the world. 
he would have been about that life. And uh, that, to me, I think is like the most poignant part about his legacy for me. Just he was the ultimate worker and he demanded you to work as good, as hard as, as he did. And when you didn't, well, you got called out on it. Like, how, how are you going to say you want to be the best and you're not working? You're not in the gym. You're not, you know, doing the things you need to do to be as great as you possibly can be. And to me, that is, again, that that speaks to his legacy, I think, in the most poignant way possible. Can I quickly piggyback on that? Um, one of the things that I've always been amazed by, and you know, none of us have said it, Kobe was not a person that came from poverty. Kobe was not, you know, like, okay, so the great, uh, well, it, it's been said over and over again, but Muhammad Ali once said, it's hard, you know, it, it, life becomes much harder when you are waking up in, you know, silk pajamas. You know, like, it's harder to get up at 4 a.m. and run and do the groundwork and do everything you need to do when you, when you, when you wake up in silk pajamas. If we're being real about it, that's part of why I was always uh, like stunned by Kobe, why I was always impressed by Kobe, while I was always like, what the hell, like, yo, know, what what drives this, you know, this, you know, maniacal, you know, uh, 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 presence? Because if we're being honest, he came up with money. He came up, you know, he's a worldly individual. I think one of you guys mentioned that he speaks multiple languages. He spoke multiple languages. Excuse me. I should stop uh, speaking in the present. Um, you know, he'd, he'd been around the world. He, you know, lived and experienced what it's like to, you know, for at least for his father to be a professional basketball player. While he, you know, you know, while he didn't grow up like rich, rich, he certainly didn't have the type of upbringing that you would think would instill that type of drive. So that actually always st stood out to me as 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 that much more impressive. He was doing like he put in the work. You know, he put in the serious work even when he didn't need to. And even after he had made it, even after he was Kobe Breen, uh, being Bryant, it, you know, on top of the NBA, he still put in that work. And now, honestly, a lot of guys don't do that. So, and you know what? Matter of fact, let me just say it: if Shaquille O'Neal had that same type of drive, they never would have split up. That's not to knock. That's not to knock Shaq. Because if I were Shaq, I probably would have had the same opinion. Like, yo, man, I'm the biggest and the baddest. But at that point, Kobe was like, yeah, but you could be better. And that—that's crazy to me. But uh, so, so let me actually expound on your point, Jabari. All right. That was the challenge. That was why I was saying that Kobe Bryant was so much more because he 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 basically railed against the status quo of where the NBA was trending because of the fact that it was becoming such a player driven marketability type of league. Kobe still bought into the idea that. Even even in a team sport, the team can't be good unless you're at your best, until mm -hmm. everyone is at their best. And just because you're inherently good at what you do doesn't automatically make you great. And I'm, I'm going to say this because, hey, I'm a Celtics fan, and I can, I can say this. I, I said this even after he, you know, after he basically walked away from the game. I am so happy that... We had Kobe Bryant. I bet you right now, Paul mm -hmm. Pierce was happy to have had a Kobe Bryant because mm -hmm. there are a lot of players that we can now go back and say, damn, these guys have had a great career. And a lot of it would not have been possible had they not had those head-to-head -head matchups, had they not had those finals um, you know, uh, uh, appearances, had they not had that Kobe Bryant, that Mamba. You know, because look at what it is now. Now it seems like we have to manufacture the competitive nature of certain things going on in the NBA. 
And you never had to worry about that when Kobe Bryant came out on the basketball court. And it didn't he he could have brought he could have brought a blacktop league. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what I'm saying? Guys off 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 the courts, you know what I'm saying, out in 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 uh in California. And those guys will probably come in there, you know, acting like, you know, they are NBA players just because they're playing next to Kobe Bryant. That's how he carried himself night in, night out. And I said this to my man Shaw, he was one of the last of a dying breed that believed in the same work that you put in the regular season is going to have an impact about your output come the playoffs. It's the difference between whether or not it matters what you're doing for the first 82 games for what you're probably going to need to be doing to win those next 16 games and hoist up a trophy. And we don't see that enough right now. And it that's, I think, what breaks my heart more because even now as we spoke, Kobe was having an impact on that aspect of it now where we're starting to see with the differences in the conferences and the talent. When Kobe is, 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 is touching a superstar player, you know what I'm saying, like a Giannis Antetokounmpo or, you know, he's touching a Trey Young or something. We're seeing a different side to those guys that we probably would be questioning for another two years had he not been still relevant outside of the NBA, the game itself. Absolutely beautifully put and very poignant, as Shaw said earlier. Jameson, have you got anything to add on Kobe's legacy? Man, I mean, my thing with this legacy is he changed Team USA basketball. Yes. Uh, he changed it for the good. Remember, 04 was a mess. Yeah. Uh, 06, things were coming together, but it was still kind of shaky. Um, he's working out at 5 a.m. Guys are moseying into the gym at 7.30, 7.45. You know, he's already in a full sweat, ready for practice. And guys are like, oh, okay, so this is what it takes. This is why he is who he is. And, you know, other guys are where they're at. So that's why things change. You know, things, everyone got on his level. And then next thing you know, it set, it set the precedent. It set, it set the table for what was to come. And, you know, they ran the table the next two Olympics. But him and his work ethic and his attitude changed the whole program. Without him doing that, there's no guarantee that they beat Spain in 08. There's no guarantee at all because those games were very close. And things were kind of shaky. You know who they gave the ball to. At the end of the day, everyone gave him the ball, got out the way, and he brought that gold medal home. And that's something that I will never forget. Especially as a neutral, you know, being Bosnian and English, um, we didn't have any any team in the 08 Olympics. And watching Kobe just be Kobe on that worldwide. I know the NBA is the biggest stage, but on the Olympic stage, it's just different, and like you said, it's just another, just another facet to his legacy that you can't ignore, and it it's so surreal talking about this. <laughs> I still can't believe we're having this conversation. I'm sorry for like bringing that up again, but like, I, I still can't believe it. We all feel the same way, man. Like it, I'm I'm sitting here shaking my head, looking at all the memorial stuff on Twitter right now. Does anyone else feel like they're in a bad dream state? Uh, that broke up right when you said it. I said, does anyone else feel like they're still in a bad dream? Yeah. Yes, a nightmare. Wish. But I wish we could see that. The last thing I just want to say about Kobe's legacy is it was very noticeable to me 
the way LeBron was talking about him on Saturday night once he passed him, mm-hmm. how in awe he was of Kobe Bryant. And this isn't just, you know, Joe Schmo off, you know, a EuroLeague team talking about Kobe. This is arguably the greatest player ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's talking about him in such glowing recommend- recommendations. And I don't know if you guys remember when he passed Michael Jordan. He didn't talk about Michael Jordan this way. You know. let, let me just say this. For me, his legacy can be summed up as this. He is your favorite player's favorite player. An entire multiple generations of players looked up to him the way that maybe when I first started watching the league, you know, people had the same type of reverence with Michael Jordan. And I'm not saying that people still don't love Mike, but let's be real. A lot of you know, a lot of these cats, they didn't see Mike play, so they're just basing on what old heads like like us say, or like I would say. Kobe Bryant is your favorite player's favorite player, regardless of whether you like him or not. Absolutely. Can I can I add uh, one last final point? I know we got to absolutely transition here, but and, and this is going to sound disrespectful, and, and I apologize. Um, but you know, Shaw knows me, man. I I don't bite my tongue for nothing. Um, ask ask my boy Drizzy Drake, but um, <laughs> if you are a LeBron James fan. If you're someone who loves and appreciate what LeBron James has has done, has has been doing, and will you know, hopefully, will continue to keep doing, you can say thank you to Kobe Bryant anytime. Because I'm gonna tell you this right now: the LeBron James that basically thrashed my Boston Celtics, <laughs> that would not have been possible had he not had the influence of a Kobe Bryant who had influence on Dwayne Wade, who had influence and impact at that transition point of where superstar athletes are. There was a serious question mark in the gap being filled of who's going to take the mantle. You know what I'm saying? And how much longer can Kobe continue to keep doing this? Because people were losing their faith in whether or not LeBron James could eclipse that, right? Even when he was a part of the Miami Heat, he had not fulfilled what everyone thought was destined to be. And I think it was I think it was a, that that summer or something um, with the transition of him going to Miami. And I know a lot of the focal point has been about Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and the whole thing with Miami. But I really believe that the time that LeBron James spent with Kobe Bryant elevated a different mentality in his approach to how he needed to play the game, how he needed to be at the at the peak of, of really embracing being the bad guy, really embracing that not everybody is going to love you and you're going to probably do the stuff that nobody is really going to love you for, but they're going to respect you if at the end of it, you wind up winning a chip. And there's only one person that I can tell you right now, um, because Shaq was never that type of dude. Shaq was always, you know, he always wanted to be respected. He wanted to be loved. You know what I'm saying? Maybe to his own detriment. Mm-hmm. That was never Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant was one of those 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 individuals where he was he was the transit like he he was that 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 turning point to what we now talk about with some of these superstar athletes that they have it in them if they have that factor in them to go and get that chip if they really want it bad enough. Um, it's almost like you can see through it all, see through the BS now, and you know whether or not these guys are going to win one or they're not going to win it at all. And that, to me, is just absolutely remarkable. I mean, it stands out more than anything. 
I don't think Paul Pierce wins a championship if he doesn't go through his battles with Kobe Bryant. And I don't think LeBron James can be, you know, lauded and applauded the way that he does if he is not in that transitional period of where Kobe Bryant's career was and his influence on LeBron James to, for, for LeBron James to be doing what he's doing now. I think that was beautifully put. Before we talk about one defining moment, I'm just going to ask everyone a question and you can everyone can come back to me. We'll start with Shaw first. Do you A, believe that Kobe Bryant's a top 10 player of all time? And I, my biggest slight with the whole Kobe Bryant in the NBA is how did this guy only have one MVP during his reign in the NBA? I just find that totally crazy. And I'm not just saying that because of what's happened. As Jabari knows, I've always been so high on Kobe and I'm, I still can't believe he only won that one MVP. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's no question he's a top 10 player and you can argue top five, top three. And I think in many cases as well, too. And I think a lot of it is it's it's kind of like a period piece. You know, when did you grow up and who did you see? Um, but I think overall, from what in my basketball estimation in my basketball lifetime, without a doubt, without a doubt, <laughs> the top 10, I mean, it's not. That's not even a question for me. And, and I understand. I mean, I spent a lot of my, my basketball days hating on Kobe Bryant because of my allegiance to Eastern Conference teams and things of that nature. And it was just like, all right, I, he, <laughs> I just remember, like, I, he was going to hit shots that you knew were going to break your heart. And, and I remember um, being on the other side of that, you know, in my early, early days when I first got into basketball and looking at Michael Jordan. And I was kind of a pessimist, like, oh, man, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. And people who hated him, like, he's going to make that. Don't worry about it. He's going to make it. And it was the exact opposite because I was like, I didn't like the dude, you know, on the court. I was like, that's going in because that's that type of dude he is. So when you have that clutch factor, that clutch gene, you you put up the statistics that you put up. You win the championships that, that he's won. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that he's a top 10 player of, of all time and definitely higher than that. Jameson, if you want to touch on it now. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I definitely believe he's a top 10 player, um, you know, probably closer to five than 10. Um, that's also generational based. I think all this should be generational because there's guys who played in the 60s and 70s who probably have, a, you know, argument to be in the top 10 as well or even top five. And that's a totally different story. But, uh, no, I do think Kobe's a top 10 player. I think he, what he's done for the game and his resume speaks for itself. Um, regarding the one MVP, I mean, hey, man. Uh, these awards are very funny. Um, there's no way he should only have one MVP. I understand around that time, there are some other things going on in the league at that time. There's some malice in the palace that happened, and it was very ironic that the next three MVPs after that, you know, went a little different than they normally go. So just kind of odd how that took place. But um, with that being said, Kobe should have more than one. Uh, at the same time, LeBron uh, kind of took off right around the 08-09 season. And that's when LeBron's prime kind of took off. So it was kind of a weird mix of things. But uh, but no, uh, him having one and Shaq having one is definitely something that needs to be talked about a lot more. Jabari? Uh, I'm just happy Jameson go in ahead and said it. So I'm going to dunk this one home. Steve Nash shouldn't have two MVPs. There's no way in the world you can tell me that this <laughs> league should exist. Uh, that uh, Shaq and Steve, uh, excuse me, Shaq and Kobe have one and Steve Nash has two MVPs. Please. 
anybody that wants to get at me on the timeline, go ahead and do it. I'm I'm ready for that conversation now. I was holding off before, but here we are. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got. <laughs> all I got on that. He's a top ten player. We did uh for Hoop Mag. We did this two years, two summers ago. I had him at I believe I had him at seven or eight. Matter of fact, it was at seven. Got a lot of flack. People, you know, were all over the place with it. And how could you do this? I said, well, because I saw the man play. <laughs> give me a damn break. Excuse my language. I don't mean to cuss on your show, but give me a break. If you saw that guy play and, you know, if, if, if you were old enough to see, you know, Magic and Michael and all, you know, all of the other all time greats, maybe you didn't see Will. Maybe you didn't see, uh, you know, Kareem in his prime. But you but you if, if you've been watching basketball for the last 25 to 30 years, you are not, you, you know enough. You should know enough to know that Kobe Bean Bryant is easily a top 10 player of all time. And I don't care if you like him as a person. Kyle, last but not least. Oh man, um, how do you follow up with that? Like, <laughs> you, my bad. you set me up to fail, Alan. Oh my goodness, man. <laughs> I'm glad I got my earlier points. Um, no, but seriously, uh, I'm gonna shock you guys. I, I believe Kobe Bryant is the top five player of all time, man. Um, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna say this: Does it? Does it? Does it? It really shocks me more than anything that Kobe Bryant never won a Defensive Player of the Year. Crazy. Is that crazy? Crazy. Is, is that unheard of? And this is the reason why I'm actually I would actually put um Kobe Bryant as 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 a top five player of all time. Because while everybody was completely enamored in his, his scoring ability, he was among the best mm-hmm. defenders in the NBA. <laughs> like for a decade. For, for a decade, exactly. Like and, and and I think what's what's even more amazing about this is he is exactly the reference of why we talk about the hypocrisy in how the MVP candidacy is being, um, you know, the criteria to meet that. Because, unfortunately, they didn't take defensive numbers seriously during Kobe's time. Had they done that, he'd have been in the MVP conversation, you know, Years, like five, six, seven years consecutively, easily, okay? And then he really would have opened up the floodgates for us to seriously give considerations to the Paul Georges and the Kawhi Leonard's. The NBA is still afraid to actually make these guys front runners to win those things, minus injuries and stuff. But when you have an Iron Man-like type player like Kobe Bryant, who was playing it on both ends of the court, he literally was the epitome of the two, like he was the spawning of the two-way player before the numbers really, you know, justified the the the, the donning of that type of uh, adjective for, for, for an NBA player. So um, I think he's a top five, man. Like I, I, I know, you know, he is next, he was next in line to Michael Jordan, essentially, when we talk about it in that type of context. But the dynamic way that he played both sides of the court is just really hard to imagine. I don't know too many people in the previous generations who would have been able to pick up and and add nuances, not just offensively, but defensively, to be in the kind of the the way that Kobe Bryant did it. And and that's the reason why I got to put him up there. Are we all in agreement that in this current era, Kobe would be James Harden on steroids? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, kind of, you know, kind of to the point that was just made. Uh, he would be much more than that, specifically because he's James as Harden dominant on the defensive end. Yeah, like James he's Harden as dominant on the defensive end to be on Kobe's level. Like, <laughs> he'll never, <laughs> he'll never play, he'll never play a lick of defense as good as as Kobe Bryant 
did in 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 his sleep. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, to, I I get where you're coming from on that sentiment, that one. Well, well, I said to one of my players earlier today because he knew I was a Laker fan, and he was asking me about Kobe. I said Kobe was Kawhi Leonard with a more polished skill set before Kawhi Leonard was lauded for being the best defensive player in the world. If we looked at basketball the way we do now, Kobe would have had two or three defensive player of the years, in my opinion, anyway. If Steve Nash played defense the way that Kobe used to, he might have eight or nine MVPs. <laughs> We're not ready for that conversation. Sorry, let me just stop. That can be a summer conversation where I invite you all on again. All right. <laughs> but, no, I want to go to the third topic um, of this podcast. I'll start with you, Cal. You had to follow Jabari there, so obviously I'll, I'll give you the floor on this one. What's your one defining moment of Kobe's career or post career, whatever? What's your one defining moment of Kobe Bryant that stands out to you? Oh, 2010 NBA Finals against the Celtics. Um, to me, Kobe Bryant answered a lot of questions for me that. I had really kind of, I, I mean, I, I'd got, I went in all in, all in him. He's a selfish player. Um, you know, he caused, the, you know, he he caused the uh, the rift with uh, with Shaq, him and Shaq. Um, and and I'm a guy that believes in, you know, the traditional way of things. Like I loved the Lakers, right? Not in the sense that. I'm a Lakers fan. I mean, I love the history of the Lakers. It validated the importance of the Boston Celtics and the fact that the NBA can't thrive without these two teams being successful. And I really felt like with everything that happened um, with Shaq, with uh, Phil Jackson, with the buses and everything that was going on, that that was going to hurt the league. That was going to hurt the game. And then we're going to start talking about how the Boston Celtics kind of inherited. They, they, they just walked themselves into a championship. And to see how Kobe took that team in 2008 and basically pushed the Celtics to the limit comes back in 2009. And in 2010, when the Celtics had another opportunity with that, with, with, with that core that made me fall in love with the Celtics all over again, to, to rob my Celtics of that championship the, the performance that Kobe Bryant put on um, and the way he elevated that team made me look at him in a completely different way. I had so much more respect for Kobe Bryant, and I was happy for Kobe Bryant more than anything because he proved that he could do it without Shaquille O'Neal, and he did it against a team, a franchise, that it, it, it's like Christmas for the next 50 years for Lakers fans to take something away from a Boston Celtics fan. I'm not new to that. That's just always been the sediment, and that's how it'll always be. And to see that Kobe Bryant was responsible for that, I have to tip my cap to him. So his finals performance in 2010, taking the Celtics title, when people thought that they had that title, they had a chance to win it, and 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 the Lakers come back and they take it from them. I, I just, I, to me, that was heartbreak wrenching, but also it was it was endearing for me because I, I saw Kobe in a different light because of it. Absolutely. Uh, Jameson, what's your defining Kobe moment? Oh, man, there's so many of them. Uh, but, the, you know, there's, <laughs> I mean, there's a laundry list of them. However, um, I'm going to go with the Game 6 in 2010 versus Phoenix. Um, as you guys remember, that series was closer than it probably should have been. 
Uh, but it was 3-2, and it was only 3-2 because, you know, Ron Artest slash Metal World Peace makes a layup at the buzzer at Game 5 to win the game off a rebound from Kobe's jumper. Um, but Game 6, I mean, Kobe just comes out and just sets the, you know, sets the table and just gets everything taken care of. And then the game somewhat becomes close at the end. It's like a three-point game, five-point game, uh, the last three to four minutes. And he hit shot after shot. They ran doubles at him. They tried everything they could. And there was nothing that worked. Uh, they tried everything in their power. It just didn't work. And he hit big shot after big shot over a seven-footer, over Grant Hill, who's taller. Like, there was nothing they could do. And that just – that was just the legend of Kobe Bryant. Like, he can do the impossible, it seemed. And that's – to me, um, you know, that was the last great run. 2010 was his last great playoff run. And that game was probably his best game of the playoffs. Uh he just put – he would not let them lose. And um, it was a frisky Phoenix team, not a great team, but a frisky one. And uh, he sent them home, sent them on vacation. Uh, he, of course, that's the infamous uh, love tap game where he gave Gentry a pat on the backside after he hit the final jumper to basically send it to the uh, finals. And uh, that, to me, is a defining moment for Kobe. He's just uh, basically telling everybody, hey, I got this. Y'all go ahead on home. And that's what he did. I really love that one. Not going to lie to you. <laughs> I will last. I'm waiting. You know I'm chopping it a bit. I'll make you wait last. I always go to you first, and you're always on there. So let me hear someone else first. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> Try so, to make, go on the show. My bad. So you know, it, there's as, as James said, there's a lot. You know, I, I just I'm really embedded in this basketball thing. We're like really and truly like we all are, and there's just like things just come flooding into into my brain. So. I think I got to kind of tell it in, in, in a little bit of parts. To me, a defining moment for Kobe in some ways is, is using hindsight as 2020. This dude got drafted by Charlotte or whatever and then forced his way to L.A. And I was like, who the F is this kid? Like, who does he think he is? I don't know jack about him, but I know whatever he played, wherever he played. And he's, and he's coming into the league like this. And in hindsight, to me, it's just like, that that level of obstinance and that level of confidence was ultimately who he always was and who he was always going to be. And I look back at that and I think about that all the time, just like, wow, he he knew all along, you know, what he was destined to become. He knew he had the work ethic. He knew he had the drive and the skill. Um, and I, he couldn't have known he would have, you know, teamed up with Shaq and Phil Jackson and, and all of that. But he knew and believed always in his own level of greatness and to me i think just even that knowing and forcing his way to la the way that he did and why some maybe we not think that was an amazing thing to introduce yourself to the league that to me is something that just kind of defines his 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 overall mantra and, and aura and I, you know the thing the on the court thing that i'll say and it's a little it's a little i don't know campy in some ways uh, obviously 81 is huge the story behind 81 for me and i shared it on our podcast the other day as well too is Playing fantasy basketball, literally. And, um, you know, again, said I wasn't a Kobe fan, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> Kobe, Kobe gets buckets. And so I traded for Kobe legitimately, randomly put a package together. I don't even remember who I, who I got rid of or whatever. And literally like five games before 81. And, and fantasy points ended up being like 100 and something fantasy points when you count his rebounds, threes, and all that other stuff like that, too. And the dude who traded me was like, how did you know? You know what I mean? He was just, he was so mad at me. And I was like, what am I supposed to know? That's what he was going to do. But yeah, he, he, that... he ru Shaw ruined our fantasy league. He, he, he ruined it for, 
you know, could trade trade ceased to exist after that. That happened. Hey, hold on, let's keep this real. That person's a sucker because that was that came in the stretch. That came in the stretch where he averaged forty point yes. four yes. points in January. Yes. So whoever did that deal, no disrespect to him, but they're a sucker for that. <laughs> and I was reading some stuff too because there was a what there was a sixty point sixty two point game I think in three quarters or something like that in that stretch as well too. Like he was. Yeah. Yeah, he was going craziness, whatever. But like that to me, that's something that will always stick out because it was in some ways I got to really enjoy Kobe Bryant in a way that I don't ordinarily enjoy him, you know, selfishly and help me win some money that year as well, too. So um, a little bit lighthearted, but definitely, again, obviously, the 81 is something that everybody recognizes as well, too. Go on, Jabari. All right. All right. Look, Jameson hit it on the head. There's too many to narrow it down. You got 81 and you got 62 through three quarters. Uh, where he actually led the game. The Mavericks had 61. He had 62. Enjoy that, Keith Van Horn. Uh, it could have been the you know 11 or 12 threes against the Sonics. The you know all of the crazy dunks. The calm down situation where he said it, you know where it was in the finals where Shaq had fouled out against the Pacers and he's like calm down, I got this. Yeah. Or you know the 48 and eight you know in the finals against the Magic. But there's two that stand out to me. I'm that I'm that a hole that's going to say two. 19-year-old Kobe was told by a teammate not to look Jordan in the eyes because he was, you know, if you looked him in the eyes, he was going to really get you. And a 19-year-old Kobe Bryant looked at that teammate and said, what the hell are you talking about? What he is, that's me. I am also that. that look, like, people, people might think like, oh, that's just a, you know, a quirky little story. It's amazing for a 19-year-old kid to say that. But the ultimate... Uh, the ultimate moment for me is Game 7, Western Conference Finals against the Blazers, 2000. We all, look, we can name countless moments where he was shooting, you know, where he shot, where, you know, like he, he made a dagger shot, he made something crazy, uh, you know, some turnaround, left-handed, this, that, and the other. But that was a play, and that was a moment that started a dynasty, and it was off of the pack. Rebound to Shaq, kicks it to, kicks it to Bryant. Brian up top. Frost is Pippen out of his entire jersey, out of the city. He told him to get the hell out of L.A., crossed him up, and throws that lob. And, it, you know, like I said, that's the start of something incredible. So, for me, it's Game 7 Western Conference Finals, how they close that out, and especially closing it out with that lob to Shaq. I'll, I'll go to mine. Um, it's not so much a game or a moment. It's an entire season. That 2012-13 season. We all know it. It's infamous. You know, this is going to be fun. Firing your coach after five games. Bringing in a coach that doesn't fit your offensive scheme. Um, doesn't fit with your players. Having to d turn down Phil Jackson. I could go on and on about how dysfunctional that season was. However, that was Kobe being Bryant at his most special, most best. I have never seen, and I don't think I will ever see, a superstar will his team to the playoffs like he did that that 30 35 game stretch before he tore his Achilles. The dude was averaging 46 point like four minutes a game. That's insane. <laughs> you remember that game against Portland? Oh, uh, second or third to last one that he that he played? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Even in the game against Golden State that he Unreal. tore. Amazing. And obviously, you know, you have the 60-point game in his last game, and that was iconic. And you know what? 
there's too many Kobe moments to put down to just one. <laughs> and I just want to. Yeah. We we've talked about the iconic moments. We we we've narrowed down that his legacy is unreal, unrivaled to a lot of people. What how? Going from here, uh, sure I'll go to you first. How should the NBA honor Kobe Bryant from here on out? Yeah, that's one hundred percent like the hardest part I think of all of all this because like what what's enough? You know what like what makes sense? What does the NBA do? Each team, how do they how do they figure that figure that part of it out? And uh, and, and I'm not quite sure what my <laughs> what my answer is i think i was even asked this on on an earlier show as well too and you know should an award be named after him i've seen conversations about the logo being changed uh, you know in in his in it in his um uh, his design if you will um and i again i if all that it makes sense to me as well too and and i don't know if it's something as just for lack of a better phrase as simple um as honoring either you know the the, the passing of, of yesterday so it was january 26th is that the day that is like a Kobe Bryant day, you know, in the NBA where each year, you know, we kind of remember him and we do the patches and we do the whole thing and um, kind of put out something in something in that in that aspect. I know there's conversations about retiring jerseys around the league and I know the Mavs have done that, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and, I, and I get that. I think that's great. But I, I think maybe just, you know, giving him a day. Um, or naming an award after him at some point is, is, is probably good, but there's going to be a lot of a lot of great ideas that come out. There's a lot of great basketball minds out there, um, but I'm interested to see what the Bryant family even wants, like what makes sense for them. Um, and I think the NBA should definitely maybe tap into that, talk to Vanessa and then the rest of his kids as well, too, to find out, hey, what is the best thing that we can do to honor your husband and the way that he, he blessed the sport of basketball? Is the MVP trophy named after anyone? Yes. It uh, is. Oh, that's the MVP for the finals, right? The Bill, Bill Russell. Russell. Yeah, Bill Russell. Yeah. Bill Russell. But the, the MVP is. Oh, I don't it's know his an name. Older person. It's older. Just, yeah. yeah. I was thinking that might be the award that, if someone already named after it, then you don't want to tarnish their legacy. Carl, uh, I, I, I go well, to you next. Yeah. Well, to, just real quick on that point, I, I wouldn't want to see something like that because I feel like if you have not awarded Kobe Bryant that that award I almost feel like it's a cop-out I, I feel like because we just finished talking about there should have been more opportunities for him to have won MVPs um so I I would I would probably I would probably stay away from that that award maybe um if you want to you know change something else I think more poignant um, like the scoring title or something like that. The scoring title or the All Star. So, maybe and maybe this will kind of go to what I'm thinking of. I, I don't want to sound like I'm copping out with what I would like to see take place. I know, I know definitely there should be patches being worn on jerseys um, commemorating um, Kobe Bryant. I mean, we have all of these tacky companies who market themselves on jerseys. I, I think that. <clears throat> You know, there, there should be something there that commemorates a player like Kobe Bryant. Um, that's just that's just me. But I think on a whole level, man, Kobe's competitive nature, I think, should revive the way NBA the NBA uh, approaches um, the, the 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 way that that teams and and maybe in some way um, like a tournament. Um, 
you know, they've been mulling around with this idea about probably doing a, like a, a, a tournament during some part of the season or whatever. I think that it would be great to see um, something embody the, the elements of of Kobe's impact playing the game of basketball where it has such substance and meaning. I, I don't like these lofty little trinkets of, of celebrate celebratory moments for a player because I sense sometimes things it gets it gets lost. I think it should be something unifying all 30 teams to participate and to do something that really highlights and emulates the impact that Kobe Bryant has had. I'm, I'm, and look, if you can't figure out a way to do it in the NBA, I'll go as far as to say, you know what? Why don't we change that McDonald's All-American thing and, and, and put Kobe's name in front of that, right? Like, I just want to see something that has a, a lasting effect that permeates not just to the professional NBA player, but even to the young players, because that's the impact that Kobe had on the generation, young to the old. And so that's what I would be looking for. That's what I would hope will, will take place. Jameson? Um, that's an awesome question. Uh, I personally think that the All-Star MVP should be named after him. Uh, I believe he has four. Either he's in sole possession or he's tied, but I know he has four, which is the most ever. And um, I think that 24 should be retired throughout the league. Um, I really do. Uh, and Mark Cuban came out and said it like right after the whole thing happened that no Dallas Maverick will ever wear 24. Um, I think they can uh, make that a league-wide thing. I don't think there'd be an issue. If that if that were to come about, the league dropped that tomorrow. I don't think you'd have that much um, you know, talk about it. I think it would just be accepted and people would move on. So uh, I think those are the two biggest things because he is an iconic player. And again, I just talked about earlier in the show, he's a mythical figure. It's more than just a basketball player. It's different. Uh, when Riley retired 23 in Miami, uh, kind of told you, hey, this guy's different. Well, Kobe's different. And uh, I do think that uh, that 24 should be uh, retired throughout the league. No, that, that, those are two. For, uh, the All-Star MVP is very, especially what happened with Shaq and Kobe, where Kobe gave up the co-MVP and gave it to Sharif. I feel like that would be a very beautiful moment as well. Jabari. Last but not least. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I think all of these are great ideas. Uh, I think All-Star, you know, considering, honestly, how hard he played in All-Star games. I mean, he, he had he had Dwayne, Dwayne Wade so mad he broke his nose that one time. Uh, <laughs> I think that would be a perfect honor. Um, I think there should be a, uh, an annual Kobe Bryant day around the NBA. Uh, you know, it, it, you don't want to, you, know, you can't choose his birthday because that's not until August. I think January 26th would be appropriate for that. And I do think that you should put the patch eight and 24, uh, on everybody's Jersey, um, at the very least on the, on, you know, on Kobe Bryant day. But I think it, I think it should remain no matter what, uh, I would be shocked if the Lakers didn't already have something like that in the works. Uh, but, um, oh, by the way, it's Maurice Podoloff is the regular season MVP, um, you know, uh, namey, I guess. Uh, he was actually the president of the Basketball Association of America. That's the reason why he got that. So while I wouldn't have a problem with replacing his name, no disrespect to the pot of loves, um, I think All-Star MVP probably makes the most sense. I've got an idea, but people are very up and down about this. The NBA has had the same logo for a long, long, long time. I feel like it's time for a revamp. I felt that way before Kobe died anyway. Going into 2020, 
I feel like that you'll, you've seen a lot of corporations, huge corporations, change their logo. And I don't want it to be just because Kobe died that, that they make the logo about Kobe Bryant. But when you see the impact that this person had on the game today and the superstars that play the game today, like, there's, in my opinion, the guy who's universally loved by his peers like Kobe Bryant is, I feel like he'd be the perfect person. If you were thinking of changing the logo, I feel like he'd be the perfect person to be that person to usher in the new generation of the NBA. Like we said, because he was the one who bridged the gap between the old school and now the new school coming in now. Plus, Kobe wasn't a MAGA supporter, so that helps. Oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But what what... What is the term serendipity? I'm just somebody asked me today, and I was like, you know, with some of the tributes that are taking place, even right now, with the 24 second shot clock violation and the eight second backcourt violation, just Crazy. what is like, is that just insane? I mean, the irony of that really sits with me on a level that's just like, you know, I want to say spiritual, but it's just different. It hits really, really different as parts of the rules of the game. So, incorporating Kobe Bryant into the game um, in an iconic and in a historical fashion only seems to make sense. You know what I mean? When you see, when you take into account like the numbers that he wore co coincide with numbers that are uh, important to the way we play the game anyway. No, absolutely. And I feel like with Kobe, uh, people go, people have a problem with it because it's going from one Laker to the other. But I don't look at Kobe as just a Laker. I look at Kobe as a basketball person. And when you make the impact on so many people, whether he knew him or he didn't, he changed how people... Like, just something as benign as, what do you do when you throw a piece of paper into a trash can? What What do you shout? Do you know what I mean? Shout you shout <laughs> Kobe. It doesn't matter who you support. It doesn't matter whether you hated the guy, whether you loved the guy when he played. Everyone says the same thing. And he's that big an icon where, and he's that transcendent like we've touched on, where he sh he's, while, you know, people said, why wasn't Michael Jordan the logo, this, that, and the other? I feel like Kobe should be the face of the NBA going forward. Not maybe the face of silhouette, I should say. <laughs> I... I, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. While I don't think that's going to happen, I, I definitely think an argument could be made for it. it, it it's, it's as specific as this. There have been three uh, three former MVPs that have passed away, and this I'm stealing this from ESPN from earlier. Three former MVPs that have you know that have, there or it might have been that have passed away prior to Kobe. None of them in the prime of their life. None of them you know when they were in their early 40s. This is a special situation. You have an all-time great that. Everybody on this panel will agree that it is a top 10 guy. And even if you didn't like him and you say he's a top 15, you had a top 15 guy, you know, really a top 10. Uh, but and he, and he passed away in the tragic way in this situation. I think an argument could truly, truly be formulated to make that happen. I feel Maybe. like. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. After you, Oh, sure. Sorry. Sure. Go on. After you. Well, when, again, I wasn't going to touch on Jabari's point so much as just, you know, kind of an overall sentiment that I don't know if we've touched on enough, just for my own personal taste, if you will. But Kobe as a dad is something to me and as a businessman, and I, I know I talked about a little bit earlier, but 
Um, those are just things that I don't think we, we, we ever want to overlook. And I said it on our show as well, too. The Mamba mentality isn't a basketball thing. You know what I mean? That's an everyday life thing. And, and I think we can all learn from that. And just as I think we, we all, as also when it happened, you know, on Sunday, January 26th, that people from all walks of life were hitting us up. You know what I mean? And that's the impact that it is. And for me, that's why the NBA specifically, because where he made his bread and butter, uh, that's what he made. He, he became famous. As a that They have to do something to memorial, memorialize him, you know, and whatever whatever way that is, that, that absolutely has to happen. And again, all kinds of ideas are going to flow out there. But him as a businessman, him as a father and him as a player um, make up the man, you know, what I mean? and we're all humans first. We're all people first. And, and that aspect of him, I I so much grew to, to respect, especially post-career, and the way he invested in not only his own kids, but kids he didn't know, and the, and the business ventures that he was doing to try to educate children. That, to me, it, it blows my mind. And when we talk about these athletes and all the things that we don't know, the things they do behind, quote-unquote, closed doors and maybe don't always seek uh, accolades for um, it, it, it just it goes unnoticed. And I, I, I don't want to sell that part of his life short. He gave the game of basketball everything he had, but he gave the game of life everything he had even more so. That's really well said. Beautifully said. I don't know if you guys saw Tracy McGrady earlier on the jump where he's said that in a conversation Kobe said to him he wanted to die young. Mm. Oh wow. No, I heard about it. I heard T Mac was crying and all that. I haven't seen that video yet, but definitely something I want to catch. And you you know what? For a guy to die, if there was ever a person and I hate saying this because it tears me apart, but if there was ever a person who lived a full enough life that by the age of forty one he'd accomplished a hell of a lot of things that he wanted to. Kobe Bryant was that person. This guy is a five-time NBA champion and an Academy Award award winner. It's That's crazy. crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. I think he also didn't. He also have either an Emmy or a Tony because he was halfway to an EGOT. Yeah, he was. He was halfway there. Crazy. Like like we said, he transcends everything. And I think it was a Celtics play-by-play guy who put it perfectly. Just when Celtics fans thought that their hearts couldn't be broken by Kobe Bryant even further, he went and broke him anyway. And I feel like the biggest thing that's come out of this is, I feel like this is unified people, especially in this tumultuous situation that you guys have in the States, that we have in England with what's going on with the politics. I don't want to get into it, but we all know what the situation is in both of our respective countries. Not ideal. And I feel like this has unified people. And while it's incredibly sad that it's come to a fantastic human being on so many levels dying, it's a beautiful thing that his lasting legacy can be this. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but. It, it's 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 something that you you don't necessarily see as beautiful in the you're know, like right away because you you you're we are selfishly and actually just like on a human side processing it but you're right you're right there's a tremendous amount of beauty uh in all that he shared throughout his life absolutely and 
I just want to say a huge thank you for all of you coming onto the podcast. What I'll do is let me take a second from all of you just to, you know, say where everyone can find you, plug some work that you have coming up, whatever you need to do. The floor is yours. I'll start with Jameson. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me and definitely appreciate it. But, uh, you know, I always love to come on and talk hoops. It's uh, it's always fun. Um, I'm located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, I work for several different outlets, uh, ESPN 1100 out here, uh, Fox Sports 1340 out here, uh, Kadon 720, ESPN 1480 in Nebraska, and KOAL Drive Time in Utah. Uh, that's where you can find me on radio throughout the week. And I also cover college sports and also the NBA on the West Coast. Uh, so, and also on Twitter at the Jameson, T H E E J A M I E S O N. And uh, yeah, man, I definitely appreciate y'all for uh, having me spend on a day like this. I hope we, you can come on and I wouldn't say a happier time, but uh, a more a time where we don't have to talk about something so sad. Definitely, definitely, we'll do. And Cal, if you go next. Uh, first. Um... You know, Alan, thanks for, you know, um, allowing me to be in the presence of greatness um, with Jameson, uh, my man Jabari, yourself, and of course, you know, my brother, uh, Mr. Warren Shaw, to have this opportunity to uh, to talk on this. Uh, this has been like therapy, you know, these last Absolutely. 48 hours. Oh, um, man. And so uh, we are grateful. Um, our, our show is called the Baseline NBA Podcast. Uh, weekly podcast that you can find on most uh, major uh, social media outlets. Um, we're also available on Dash Radio as well, too, on Tuesdays. Um, and uh, our Twitter handle is at NBA Baseline. Uh, my man Shaw, I'm sure he can give you his his handle in a moment, but mine is uh, at Game Face Lee. Um, we discuss the hot button topics of the NBA, uh, but what we love, what I love, and I'm sure Shaw can speak on this as well, too. What we love most is that we, we don't just talk only basketball. We talk about the culture of basketball. And we've had great guests like Jabari on who brought so much insight and a wealth of knowledge uh, that's unsurpassed. And, you know, to this day, man, you know, people be fiending for those uh, Jabari baseline boys collabos and stuff. So 2020, it's it's obviously on and popping. But um I, I, I'm already geeked about the possibilities of having another roundtable conversation like this, but definitely under better circumstances than what we've had to deal with in the last 48 hours. No, absolutely. And I was about to say, if you ever need a European flavor to your podcast, I'll always be happy to come on. <laughs> I like the sound of that, man. like the sound of that. Mr. Warren Shaw, the floor is yours. I appreciate it. And, you know, I guess we get the double plug here. So I appreciate that for sure. The podcast at NBA Baseline, as Cal alluded to. Um, thank you all again for allowing us to be here and share this moment with you. Appreciate you, Bar. Appreciate you, Alan Jameson, as well. Very nice to meet you all, um, truly and truly. Uh, you can find my work um, at Close Up 360, um, where we cover some of the lifestyle pieces around the NBA. So, not the X's and O's, but kind of what players are doing off the courts, their businesses, and their brands. That's where you can find my writing. Um, and have my own site as well, too, shawsports.net. You can find me on Twitter at shawsportsmba. Again, just, you know, trying to push the NBA content out there as, as best we can. We, we love it. Um, and as again, as everyone has said, you know, we want to get together under better circumstances, definitely in the future. But um, I think these roundtable conversations and discussions just provide such great perspective from people in all walks of life. We all have, you know, side gigs and other jobs as well, too. Um, but we just we really do have a great perspective from all around the world. Um, and again, thank you all for letting us come aboard here today.
And last but not least, once more, Mr. Jabari Davis, as always, the floor is yours. Honestly, you guys are all tremendous. And Alan, you're you're getting a you're getting a lesson. Black folks, when we are saying goodbye, we're gonna thank and praise each other you know, to no end. <laughs> That's just how we get down. That's just how we get down. But no, honestly, uh, each of you guys, it, it's been an honor to you know to have this conversation with you guys. Because uh, I'm not gonna lie to you, man, it was tough. It was tough. There were actually a couple times where my voice started to crack a little bit, and you know, had you know, had un- had some onion situation going on. But honestly, it's it's the best way to get through. Uh, not just a difficult, but a frustrating and a even confusing time like this. I'm easy. Jabari, at Jabari Davis NBA. Um, you know, I got, you know, my guy, Josh, Josh Everly, you know, is my co-host on Hot Takes and Shot Fakes. And actually, you can find me on uh, Hoop Mag in the latest edition that just came out uh, th- uh, just over Christmas. Uh, it's the all, it's kind of like the all decade wrap up. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I did a story on Russell Westbrook. And so I appreciate everybody's time and appreciate it if you guys check that out. You know, and as as everyone who listened to the pod on Thursday, everyone knows I proofread that for Jabari. It was fantastic work. It's definitely <laughs> worth checking out. You can you can find me at Alan Ramage zero three. Um, I'm always available to talk on there, as Jabari knows. Um, just want to thank you all again so much for coming on. Um, this has definitely been a beautiful therapeutic experience for. Uh, Bosnian guy in his mid-twenties living in Manchester, England. And I can only thank you guys for that. It's helped me a lot. Thank you. Thank you, you, brother. And I'd just like to end with about 30 seconds worth of quotes from the guy himself. I don't want to quote him, so I'll just let the video play. Thank you guys for listening. Take care. Bye. Hello, everyone. I'm so sorry I can't be with you tonight. However, I couldn't completely miss the chance to take a moment to share some thoughts with all of you. The lesson I cherish the most is how important it is to love what you do. If you love what you do and it's making you happy, all the hard work and perseverance will pay off. I once had a guidance counselor tell me that I shouldn't play basketball, uh, that it would never amount to anything for me. His negativity towards me made me stronger. You can't stop people from trying to limit your dreams, but you can stop it from becoming a reality. Your dreams are up to you. I encourage you to always be curious, always seek out things you love, and always work hard once you find it. So with that, I'll let you carry on with your evening. Please know I'm thinking of you, supporting you, and encouraging you always. Peace.